You are now tuned into the Lunch Break Podcast, where true sales pros go to tell their stories. This is episode 60 of the Lunch Break Podcast, where true sales pros go to share their stories. My name is James Bodden. Welcome to episode 60, kind of a monumental one. Anytime I get to a whole 10 through another 10 set of 10, I'm excited. And I wanted to celebrate episode 60 by bringing on a fixture in the sales training community, the author of an incredibly popular sales training book called Gap Selling. Episode 60 features none other than the man himself, Keenan. We all love Keenan because of how real he keeps it, his passion for doing sales the right way. And, and that's, of course, what Keenan brings to this episode of the Lunch Break Podcast. If you don't have time to listen to the entire episode right now, I did have Keenan serve up a snack break sales tip for you to check out. Don't product centric sell. So if you start talking about your product or service before you've identified a problem that you've identified the impact that that problem is having on the organization. You've defined the problem. I mean the impact and you understand the root causes your product centric selling. Do not talk about your product until you can quantifiably say, here's the problem they're having Here's the impact it's having on them. These are the root causes, the reasons the problem exists. And we fix one, three, five, seven, nine of those root causes, which will make the problem go away and deliver a new desired outcome. I know that's complex, but uh, look, the whole gap selling is a methodology. It's not tips and tricks. We're not your, you know, we're not your daddy's freaking sales training. We're not the sales training that's been around since the 80s. You know, we're not talking about reverse psychology, tell them this and they'll act this way. No, those things don't work. You got to learn it. to be a problem-centric seller. Fire, absolute fire advice from the man Keenan. I don't want to put off getting into the episode any further, so I'm just going to shut up. Episode 60, the Lunch Break Podcast with none other than Keenan. Enjoy. All right, folks, here we are. This is a big one, episode number 60 of the Lunch Break Podcast, where true sales pros go to share their stories. I've got the man himself, author of Gap Selling, world-renowned sales trainer, LinkedIn content creator, Keenan. Keenan's here, everybody. Thanks so much for coming on the show, man. Really appreciate it. My pleasure, brother. My pleasure. Looking forward to it. Yeah. So look, I, I, uh, I know we have a lot to cover in a short amount of time. So let's just jump right into this thing the same way that I kick off every podcast. Keenan, how did you get started in sales? You got to define that question, right? So how did I get my first sales job? Or how did I get into sales? How did you get into sales? It doesn't have to be the first official sales job, but when did you discover, oh, I could do this. And uh, I, I may have a knack for it. How did that first realization come? 
probably my first, you know, first paid sales job there. Uh, I was in South Beach, Miami modeling. And, you know, like any other young person with crazy dreams was thinking I was going to, you know, break in and go big. And uh, a buddy of mine called me and he said, you need to come back. I got a job for you. And I was like, all right, what is it? And he said, uh, you'll be selling chamber memberships. And he goes, you can make between 50 and $60,000 a year. And that was in 1997, 1996, I think, 96, I think, somewhere around there. And I was like, wait, that's $1,000 a week. And I was like, $1,000 a week? I mean, shit, I think my rent was like two or 300. I was like, a thousand bucks a week, I'm in. So <laughs> yeah. I came back. I was like, that, that was, I was all excited. So I came back and uh, they hired one other dude next to me because he had had experience and I had no experience. And within one year, I had set all kinds of records for highest sales, most sales, most sales in a month. I just slayed it. And the dude they hired with me didn't cut it. They let him go. And I was like, oh, I can do this. Yeah. So was it, was it the success mixed with seeing this person that they brought in that had experience struggle that kind of gave you that confidence to know uh, that, it, that it was something you could keep doing? No, nah, he, the guy had nothing to do with it. All the guy did was that dude. And then my next sales job, they hired a girl who had experience. Like my first two jobs, they hired people with me because I was the risk mm -hmm. and they were the safety net. Yeah. And both fucking times, the safety nets <laughs> broke and they were gone and I crushed it and was a top performer both times. So all that did was just reinforce my belief, which I carry to this day, that, that people that walk around hiring on experience and looking for freaking box checks, that somehow they're the winners and people without ex quote unquote experience or whatever are, are not good hires, are fools, yeah. right? And so I, it's shaped my hiring process. But no, I knew I was good when I was getting the commission checks. And um, I was out selling everybody else. I was like, ooh, I think I'm good at this. Yeah, yeah. What, what part of it – so here's a question. You, you were having success, and you were seeing the money come in. Were you enjoying it? Because yeah, those yeah. two things don't necessarily go hand in hand. No, no, I love selling. It was, it, I thought it was not easy, but I thought it was easy. and It was natural. So I, I was like, this is cool. This is, yeah, I enjoyed it. Didn't have to sit at a desk and take orders or – write all day. I don't know what other things I would have done, but I knew <laughs> that this was dynamic mm -hmm. and uh, I was in a bit of control. Like, you know, what I did created the results. Um, it was a little more freedom than other jobs. So from those two perspectives, I was like, this is cool. Yeah. When did it, when did it go from this is cool for all of these kind of inherent benefits to I'm going to take this seriously and, and really be a professional about it because I, I think uh, I, I've experienced this. When you come into sales, you're working with various levels. You've got people who maybe have experience, people who are just there as a stopgap on their way to doing something else. So it's not like you come in to a profession that's filled with people that are taking it 100% seriously. And, uh, you know, you don't really have to. It's not a requirement. Uh, to to have that mindset of, yeah, it is. Yeah, it okay. is. Fuck yeah! I tell people this all the time. If you're in life and you don't think being really good at something or taking something seriously that you're doing isn't a requirement, you're fucking up. Yeah. If you do it for more than a couple of years and into your thirties, I'll call you an asshole. Because seriously, what are you doing? 
Like, like, what are you doing? Why in the world are you committing something to somebody because they're paying you a paycheck mm -hmm. and you don't think you need to take it seriously? You think you need to do just enough to get by, to pay your bills or whatever, and, and not take it seriously? And then you wonder why you're the first laid off. You wonder why your boss is giving you shit. You wonder this. Don't stop wondering. Let me help you out. Here's, here's how the book ends. Stop wondering. If you're going to do something, fucking do it and take it seriously. If you're not, move on. Yeah. yeah, no, I mean, and I, I completely agree with you, but there are people that exist like that in the profession. How did you, what, what, what was, I ignored those the, people. Yeah. I had no time for those people. And I still don't have time for those people. Right. Yeah. Look, it, it, there's a lot of things people can say about me, but doing something I don't want to do is not and uh, doing it just to get by. That's mm. not something anybody's ever said about me. If I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. And if I don't want to do it, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. So this idea of, oh, I need a job. Let me go see what I can find. Oh, I'm just going to hang out. See, No, fuck off. Right? Look, that bothers me worse than everything. I can't have fun doing something I'm not committed to. So mm -hmm. no, no. I don't, I don't focus on those people. Don't waste my time with them. Yeah, you're too busy getting after it, right? And, and, and going forward, uh, I think <clears throat> for a lot of people coming into sales, they struggle with that, the negative shit that people talk and complaining all the time. Uh, so I think that's fantastic advice. You know, you just literally ignore them, cut them out and continue on no, your man, mission. There's people, I don't think people get this. <clears throat> there's people who will talk shit about everything, right? <laughs> all day. So, so look, man, um, I love skiing. My daughter's love skiing. I can find a million people who will talk shit about it. It's too fucking cold. It's too damn expensive. It's too hard. I'm not going to go out there and kill myself. Why would I want to do that? That's dumb. I can find people that will talk negative about anything and everything. So why we're giving them any freaking mind share is beyond me. There are people who love sales. They understand how sales works. So if you go into sales because you think you'll like it, and then you bust your ass and you take it seriously and you realize I don't like it, then that's perfectly okay. Get out. Yeah. But don't just sit there going through the motions for five, 10, 15, 20 years, just doing it because you don't know what else to do. And you bought the car and you bought the house and now you're stuck. You oh. own that. That's your own fault. But no, this, I just, I don't know why people give other people so much mind share and then let it, let it affect them. It makes no sense to me. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's, it's obviously helped you in your career, right. To, to be able to progress. So let's talk about that. You went from having success, getting into sales, enjoying it, loving it, seeing the benefits of it. And then you progressed into leadership, right. And, and, and leading teams, everybody knows and talks about, you know, a top performer doesn't always make a fantastic leader. What were, what was that transition like for you? Uh, it was, it was a bit tumultuous, right? So <clears throat> I worked at a really good company that gave, um, that gave really good leadership training. I actually still have some of the binders up there 25 years later or whatever it is. Yeah. So they gave good leadership training and I worked at it. But also I was promoted when I was 30, 29, 30, 31, something like that. And I was, you know, I was over people who were, you know, I think this woman was maybe in her 40s, you know, and mm. she did not like that at all. And and, you know, I would ask her to do certain things and she would not do it. And then my boss was like, look, you need to just, you know, cut her some slack. And I'm like, what's the point? I was all about accountability. I was like, if this is what I'm asking for my team and you ask me to lead, then this is what I want for my team. 
And for you to come in and say, well, she shouldn't have to do that. Or why does that matter? And second guess me all the time. Was it pain in the butt? I mean, I made some mistakes, some things I probably asked for that in the end didn't really needed to be asked for. So I learned as I went along. But my leadership style, even to this day, is very, very different. I'm highly accountable, highly flexible. I really don't care how you're going to do your job. Right? I, 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 I assume you know what you're doing. I've hired you for that. We, I told you what the goal is. I told you what the outcome is. I told you what the results are. If you need things, I'll get you things. If I see you need things, I'll put them in place. Right? So I'll put in place all the tools, mechanisms, processes that I think are there, but I expect you to use them. And if you're not, I'm going to have something to say. Or if you're not at your number, I'm going to have something to say. And people don't like accountability. They just do not like being held accountable. So, you know, that a lot of people struggle with my leadership. I've had two people come out of my leadership world. One, best leader I've ever had. They loved every minute of it. I was tough to work with, but I made them better. And then the other ones who always failed, I'm an asshole, I'm a dick, I don't know what the hell I'm doing, blah, blah, blah. There was never anybody in the middle. And by the way, there was nobody, nobody who failed that said I was awesome. There was no one that was successful that said he was a dick. I mean, it's pretty simple. Go so figure, I, right? I, I can see the tea leaves, right? You <laughs> failed, you didn't like me or making you own it. You didn't want to do what I asked you to do, and that's my fault. Yeah, it scares people. And, and it's interesting nowadays because we've gone from super micromanaging, super aggressive sales leadership, hit the phones, always be closing to this shift that I've seen happen in the last couple of years that's almost way on the other side of like, don't confront anybody. Hey, it's all good. Uh, you could just send a few emails. And if you don't hit quota... Uh, you know, we'll talk about it and we'll have a powwow about it. You know, they're, they're, it's almost like people are afraid to hold people accountable and have those tough conversations. I, I know the managers, you know, it's almost like a parent. You know, if your parents are doing the right job, the right thing, you're going to hate them at some point because they're holding you accountable for shit you're fucking up on. And uh, you're going to go in your room and be like, oh, I hate my parents, God. And then in a few years, you're like, oh, thank God they kept me from doing all that dumb shit. Same deal here. I think the difference is it's, well, I can quit this job, right? This guy's an asshole and I don't like the way he's making me feel <laughs> because I'm not holding up my end of the bargain. Uh, and, and, and I have to believe that, that learning all those lessons, going into the leadership roles, working for somebody else, how did that influence your decision to, to eventually go out on your own? right? And start your own thing and, and, and kind of leave uh, the corporate world behind. Um, it didn't. Interesting. So I just, I don't know, maybe in a, to a certain degree, I'm somewhat of a control freak or a free spirit or whatever. And um, I was constantly coming up with ideas to stop my own thing. Like even as a kid, I was just, oh, let's do a lemonade stand. Oh, let's do a haunted house. Oh, let's make this and sell them. I was just always kind of wired that way. So I had, I started at least three businesses that failed um, before a sales guy. Um, and it's, it's, it's ironic and I guess it speaks to the importance of one, knowing what you're good at and two, yeah, knowing what you're good at. So um, uh, after those failed, I didn't even set out to start a sales guy. I just started a blog in 2009. I remember the blog when it was just the blog, yeah. Yeah, so I, I just started that in an effort to um, get a big enough following that if I ever needed a job, 
I could write on the blog, hey, I'm leaving this gig, anybody looking? And my thought was if I got, I don't know, a thousand followers, that's a lot of people that could help me get a job. That was, that was the total objective of the blog. And little by little, it kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And after two years of almost 712 blog posts in a row, people started noticing I was you know, put on list, best sales, top 50 sales blog, top 25 sales blog, top 25 sales influencer, blah, 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 blah. Some people asked me to speak at certain conferences. And then all of a sudden, one day, <clears throat> I remember who it was, plain as day, Ion Interactive reached out and said, hey, I've got this person, one of our managers I think could use help. I've been reading your blog. Could you help? I said, okay. And I threw out a number. And they said, all right, perfect. When do we start? And I was like, whoa. So <laughs> and I still had another job. And I remember going to my boss and saying, hey, listen, can I do this on the side as long as it doesn't affect? He said, no. Mm. All right. And then about, I don't know, two, three months later, something like that. Um, we got purchased by a company out of London and they let pretty much the entire North American sales team go. I was VP of sales strategy and operations. So I was like, all right, I have a choice. Spend six, 12 months trying to get a job at that level again or start a consulting company. So I just wrote on the blog, welcome to a sales guy consulting. And it took off. I've never looked back. It's been nine years. I love it. I love longest it. job I've ever had in my life. Actually, <laughs> longest job I've ever had in my life. And, and, and it's the one that you weren't looking for. <laughs> exactly. It's the one I wasn't looking for. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, you know, that's always such an interesting aspect of, of people's journeys. You know, I've spoken with folks like Morgan Ingram, uh, you know, people that have built a personal brand and have businesses they've been doing that in some form or fashion since they were younger. They had little mini businesses and little failed ventures and little things that they were a part of that never went anywhere. And then kind of organically, this thing appears in their life that, that it's just like, oh, well, I'm going to do this. And I love that it was just to make sure you had a job, right? I mean, just to make sure, because I mean, 2009, rough time, right? I mean, you were trying to hedge all your bets and, and, <laughs> you know, and I think that's a huge, Hey, uh, clue to anybody out there, uh, salesperson that maybe hasn't started building a personal brand yet. Now might be a good time to, cause that's what that is. That's job security. That's what you're doing. Uh, just in case you hadn't, con uh, connected those dots. Um, and, and I love that it just organically grew into this thing where, Oh, well, uh, guess this is what I'm doing now. <laughs> yep. That's it. I mean, it, it's exactly what happened. I, I, I talked about it in one of my books. I mean, and not taught, which is actually my favorite book, even though gap selling's crushed it. Um, at the time I was married and, and I was a bit maniacal about making sure I blog posted every day. Mm -hmm. um, and she would give me shit. She like, what do you think you're going to get out of this? How is this going to help you? Da, da, da. And I was like, look, I can't tell you exactly how it's going to help me, but I'm pretty comfortable, bare minimum, it's going to help me get a job. And sure as shit, now we're divorced and she's not doing too well. And guess who carries the entire financial burden after she- Mr. Blog Post. Yeah, Mr. Blog Post. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. It's good thing I didn't listen to her. No, I, and you said something really important. And I struggle with this because people ask me, like, why are you doing your podcast? Are you, how much money have you made off of your podcast? When are you going to have sponsors? And for me, my answer is like, I don't know why I'm really doing it. I know that it's a cool thing to do. It's putting me in front of and with conversations that I like having. I don't have an end game here. I don't really know, right? But I know it's putting 
deposits in the right area. And, and I think that's huge. Yeah, that's, it, that's well put. Deposits it, in the right area. Yeah, it doesn't always have to map to some monetization thing. Uh, the other day, somebody asked me why I was doing the podcast. And I said, it's just a good brand builder. It's just a good thing to kind of be doing, right? Be out there. And what, what, what does that mean? Does that bring you more leads? Are you hitting quota faster? Are you making? No, none of that. And, and it's hard sometimes for people to wrap their minds around it, but it, it's all, and I don't know if this is how you felt, but it's like an internal feeling. It's almost indescribable. Like, I just know I need to be doing this shit. It's a long game. Yeah. It's one of the few long games in our personal lives. There's only a few things, in my opinion, that are playing the long game in our personal lives. Having kids, okay, yes, there's, yes, there is short-term gain, but trust me, have kids and you'll realize in Ari, that's a long game, okay? <laughs> Real <'Cause> long. <laughs> as much as you get in the moment with them, you get a lot more shit, too. So kids is a long game, getting married is a long game, but most people don't play a marriage long game, and that's why they get divorced, right? Um, um, it was one other one. But those are, I mean, there's not many things in our lives that are really long game only, right? Yeah. And building a personal brand is absolutely playing the long game, absolutely hands down. And most people just do not have that level of vision, that level of commitment, and that level of drive. Straight up. It's the truth. And you know, there's an entire uh, book that I think we, we could probably spend a, another episode talking about uh, with gap selling. So I'm going to leave that because uh, a, if you don't, if you're listening to this podcast and don't know about it, what the hell are you doing? You've probably already read it if you're listening to this. Um, and I know we're running out of time here, Keenan. Uh, I want to make sure I ask you just for a quick actionable sales tip that folks could use when they get done listening to the podcast don't product centric sell. So if you start talking about your product or service before you've identified a problem that you've identified the impact that that problem is having on the organization, you've defined the problem. I mean the impact and you understand the root causes your product centric selling do not Talk about your product until you can quantifiably say, here's the problem they're having. Here's the impact it's having on them. These are the root causes, the reasons the problem exists. And we fix one, three, five, seven, nine of those root causes, which will make the problem go away and deliver a new desired outcome. I know that's complex, but uh, look, the whole gap selling is a methodology. It's not tips and tricks. We're not, your, you know, we're not your daddy's freaking sales training. We're not the sales training that's been around since the 80s. You know, we're not talking about reverse psychology. Tell them this and they'll act this way. No, those, those things don't work. You got to learn it. to be a problem-centric seller. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. And, and as somebody who's read the book, seen the reaction to the book, that those things are all obvious, right? It's why it resonates. And I think it's fantastic. Um, last question. Same question I ask everybody that comes on the lunch break podcast. Keenan, what is your favorite place to eat lunch? Man, I wish I could say something and then give a shout out to somebody. So it's sad to say, um, but I've been like this most of my life. Um, I'm 52. I weighed pretty much the same amount I weighed in high school. <laughs> um, I pretty much have the same body. And it's because I just eat when I'm hungry. And if I'm sitting around and not working out, which is horrible to say, I haven't worked out forever, I'm not very hungry. So mm. I just 
I, I will sit at this desk or whatever, and I'll just eat when I'm hungry. So either I go to the pantry or I go pick up my kids from school and I stop at Wendy's or so I, I just, I don't eat very healthy, but I just eat when I'm hungry, which means there's really no place that I go. There's no place that I love. So, so I, I wish I could say something better for you. Hey, you know, more and more, the, the answer has been uh, the kitchen or my pantry. Yeah. Especially now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When I work, look, when I work for the man or when we used to have offices, we used to have a bunch of offices, but then people just got tired of commuting and I didn't know why we were paying for it. Um, uh, we would go out and that'd be fun. And there was like, you know, there was, oh, I forget the name of the place. I would say it now, but I had favorite places then, you yeah. know, when we all go out together as a team, but. Yeah, when that was a thing. Yeah, when it was a thing, exactly. But no, sorry. <laughs> sorry, all you restaurants. Hey, yeah, you missed out. Uh, look, Keenan, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the podcast, man. I really appreciate it. If, if folks uh, weren't already aware of who you were connected to you, how can they find you and get connected to you now? Uh, you can go to a salesguy.com uh, or just run a search for a sales guy, or you can go to Keenan.live and you'll find everything you need. Fantastic. With that, I'm going to wrap up episode number 60 of the Lunch Break Podcast. Speak to you guys soon.